Heads up, because you're in the Hoodwood. I'm the Black Bandit, KJ Green, welcoming you to another edition of Sports for the Hoodwood for October 20th, 2022. Coming up this week, the Phils and the Pods and the NLCS. Wait, what? We'll look at the abject failure of 100 win teams and who has the edge in the ALCS. Does Dan Snyder have enough dirt to ruin the NFL? We'll take a look at the Week 7 NFL picks. Fat dap, head slap, and a buffet of sports takes, opinions, and commentary. It's a kind of a new look, but hey, new doesn't hurt anybody. It's Sports of the Hollywood. Let's go. Tuned in to Sports from the Hoodwood, the internet's foremost location for the most honest, unfiltered commentary and insight on the world of sports. Now, once again, here's Hoodwood's hometown hero, KJ Green. I'm still standing in the background as the both the Phillies, who have excused the Braves, the defending World Series champ Braves from the playoffs, and the Padres, who finished 22 games behind the Dodgers. 22 games. The Dodgers won 111 games. Just basically were formidable the whole season. Just crushing teams left and right. They had beaten the Padres nine straight times. Y'all always want to hear the uh, the principal from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Nine times. And the Padres were like, okay, it's October. The money's on the line. Let's do this. And they send the Dodgers packing. Beating them in four games. A raucous crowd at Petco Park for the for the series clincher. And it wasn't Dodger transplants. No, it was rowdy Padres fans from the first pitch to the last out. It, it, I'm, I'm still trying to get my brain around this. And then there's the Phillies. The Phillies, please stop telling me. Yes, I expected them to be shooed out of the playoffs by the Cardinals. And they didn't. The Phillies beat the Cardinals in two games. We detailed that last week. But the the way they handled the Braves, winning game two in Philadelphia, I beg your pardon, winning game two in Atlanta, then winning game three in Philadelphia, then winning game four in Philadelphia, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, the Braves are out. 
all three teams that won 100 or more games in the regular season of the National League are all out. Now, I already said the Mets were going to be beat by the Padres. I said that. I didn't blink about that. But I figured they'd be a nice little, they get their nice little playoff win and get beat by the Dodgers. The funny thing is that it didn't happen. And I'm just trying to get my head around this. Now you have the American League, where it's some semblance of order, possibly. You have the Astros, who swept the Mariners. Oh, the Mariners were a good story. They, they they tried their best. They tried like a scout. That third game, going 18 innings, you, you felt bad for the Mariners because they just did not want to lose in front of their rowdy home crowd. And, and, you, give them, and you give them that because they tried. But the Astros... They're just too strong, and they're, they're showing why they're the number one seed, winning it in a sweep. Now, the ALCS, the other AL Divisional uh, playoff between the Guardians and the Yankees, as I'm taping this, is still being played. So we're still going to try to figure out who's going to be the Astros' opponent. But either way, you've got a worthy opponent in the ALCS, and that should be a lot of fun. I think that, that should go the distance. But the NLCS, it's like... The, the, the spare lounge act in the Padres and the Phillies, neither team won 90 games. And, and I've long said a legitimate playoff team has to win 90 games, at least 550 ball or better. But neither team did it. And it doesn't really matter because they they did the work. They have Both teams have beaten at least one 100-win team. And the Padres have done it twice. Try to make some sense of this if you can. We will take our first time out. I know it's a quick, short segment, but we've got a lot of things to get to. Coming up, we will talk about Dan Snyder. Does he have enough dirt on the NFL to ruin it? And if so, can the NFL be ruined? We'll answer those questions a lot more. Sportsman Hoodwood continues after this. Is today your last day on Earth because you are being deployed to space tomorrow? Have you just turned 18 and you're ready to get out of your parents' house? Has your granddaughter gotten her boyfriend pregnant? Whatever your reason, you need us at GottaGetMarriedNow.com. We specialize in last-minute weddings. Active duty, military veterans and retired discounts are available. Visit us at GottaGetMarriedNow.com. are back in the hoodwood i'm kj green and if things look a little different different mic different stuff it's all in the details i'll get to in a little bit but let's talk football shall we well we'll get to the nfl picks here shortly but washington commander's owner dan snyder has been reported to have had his law firms employ private investigators to dig up dirt on his fellow NFL owners. Now, when I heard this, and I'm thinking, okay, you want to ingratiate yourself with your fellow owners, try to make a good impression. Dan Snyder's doing the antithesis of this. He is literally drawing a line in the sand and saying, I'm going to mess y'all all up. And he used some very colorful language, which I will not use here. But the thing 
things he said that things that he knows or things that he's going to quote unquote find out is this even productive is this even gonna make any sense i mean Dan Snyder's owned the, the, the Washington franchise since 1999 when he uh, bought the team from the estate of Jack Kent Cook. The team that was once a marquee franchise in the NFL in the 70s, 80s, and 90s has more or less slogged through the 21st century. Their record since the turn of the century is 158-214-1. and that's through the first six games of this season, and this season they are uh, one and five. The NFL is one of the most profitable entities in the world. I mean, you're talking about franchises that are valued in the hundreds of millions, if not in some cases, with the Cowboys, uh, the Rams, the the uh, Washington even, in the billions of dollars. And Dan Snyder is threatening to turn all this on his head. What is the purpose here? I mean, you're literally trying to kill the golden goose, the thing that made you rich beyond your wildest dreams. And Daniel Snyder has money. Lots of it. You're going to have to have lots of money to be able to buy an NFL franchise. This isn't something you can buy at Dollar Tree. But what kind of dirt is he trying to find? What is it going to be in the NFL that's going to hurt them so much that it's going to, quote unquote, ruin it? And then why are you trying to ruin an entity that is making money hand over fist for everybody that it's involved with. I mean, look at the networks. Amazon Prime paid billions of dollars to do Thursday night games. Just Thursday night games. Doing and streaming. CBS, NBC, Fox, ABC, ABC, ESPN, same entity. All four of those networks have a slice of the network of the NFL pie. All of those networks paid billions, billions of dollars to be able to have though that slice of that television pie, whether it's CBS doing doubleheaders or Fox doing doubleheaders, the Sunday night games on NBC or the Monday night games on ESPN, sometimes ABC and the playoffs, not to mention the Super Bowl. This is bringing in just an obscene amount of cash. Does Daniel Snyder realize what he is messing with? Does he realize that if he ruins the NFL, he's going to ruin himself? Or I'm going to say necessarily ruin himself, but hurt his pocketbook in ways that he really doesn't realize. Not to mention the broadcast, broadcasting, the advertising. We haven't even gotten into merchandising, ticket sales. Why are you wanting to hurt all that? What purpose does that serve? Someone please explain this to me. What is his end game? Is it because he thinks that the other NFL's NFL owners are bullying him? Daniel Snyder is not the most popular person in the room when it comes to the NFL. Own other owners. The other 31 owners have said 
repeatedly that Daniel Snyder should give up the franchise. Will he? He probably won't. Remember, when they were talking about changing the name of Washington's team from the Redskins to what is now the Commanders, Snyder was very resistant of it. He didn't want to be told what to do. Now, with the sexual uh, harassment, um, the uh, untenable workplace scenarios that have been put up about him, now you're having problems, Daniel Snyder's having problems internally. And the other owners are bringing him pressure, putting, bringing him to bear pressure to sell the team. He's already been fined $10 million, been told to stay away from team activities for a year. This is his response? Sounding like a recalcitrant spoiled child who can't get his way. Can he pull this off? Can he ruin the NFL? I think the NFL is too big to quote-unquote fail. I think they're too big to ruin. Could it damage them PR-wise? It could, it could be a, a, a stub toe, skin knee, but I don't think it's going to hurt them irreparably. Daniel Snyder's playing a game of Russian roulette, and the gun's pointed at him, and he's going to lose. It isn't one bullet in, ten, in six chambers. It's five bullets in one empty chamber, and he's going to end up blowing himself to bits. Take another timeout. Come back with the NFL Week 7 picks. It did a little better this week. It wasn't as bad as last week. But we must endeavor to get better. Sports from the Hollywood comes back at you after this. Back in the Hoodwood, my name's KJ Green. I know a lot of things are different. Even Snuffy likes the new graphics. So we're trying to do things different, but there are some things that are still the same. NFL picks. I did better this week, this past week, slightly. I'm not complaining about it, though. 
Let's the football pick guys smite me with a two or three win week. So resolving to do better. I'm here for your review and perusal of this week's picks. Uh, it's being provided by ESPN for comparison entertainment purposes only. I say that because I'm too broke to even think about paying your bookies if you bet these lines and lose. And for the games being shown in your area, 506sports.com has an excellent coverage map of games being played. Check them out if you dare. I do every week. And do keep in mind that the Vikings, Eagles, Rams, and Bills are on their bye this week. Let's start out with the Thursday night game, shall we? The 2-4 Saints taking on the 2-4 Cardinals. Game being played at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. 8-15 kickoff on Amazon Prime. The Cardinals are two-point favorites. Last week, the Saints lost to the Bengals 30-26, while the Cardinals lost to the Seahawks 19-9. A fairly pedestrian matchup, if you will, to start the week. The Saints gave up a bushel of points last week, and now they have to try to contain Kyler Murray. Good luck. And he is overdue for a breakout game. Now, the Cards' offense is leaning toward the suspect category, and I'm worried about picking them. But the Saints have a very leaky defense and a tendency to fall apart late in games. Last week's game against the Bengals, a prime example. Now, I've had the worst luck in picking Thursday night games, and this is a coin toss game, so I'm probably going to be wrong on this, but that's what I do. The pick here is Arizona. Next up on the docket, let's get to the Sunday games. This is a Fox doubleheader week. We will start off with the 3-3 Falcons taking on the 3-3 Bengals at Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati. 1 o'clock kickoff on Fox. The Bengals are six-point favorites. Last week, the Falcons defeated the 49ers 28-14, while the Bengals defeated the Saints 30-26. Now, the Bengals may very well have saved their season when Jamar Chase shook a Saints defender and sprinted down the sidelines for a touchdown in New Orleans late last week, helping the Bengals outgun the Saints. Now, they returned home after an extended home absence. They haven't been home in almost a month to host uneven Falcons, who ran roughshod in a surprise win over the 49ers. Neither one of these teams are particularly trustworthy, to be honest. And I don't think the Falcons' secondary can contain the Bengals' dynamic offense. The pick here is Cincinnati. Next on the docket, we have the 1-4 Lions at the 4-2 Cowboys. Game being played at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. That is correct. I checked. That is a CBS game. The Cowboys are seven-point favorites, by the way. The last week, the Lions were on their bye, while the Cowboys lost to the Eagles 26-17. Now, the Pokes dug themselves a fairly sizable hole last Sunday night, and despite a decent rally, trailed the whole game. Now, they returned home to face the Sad Sack Lions, who were coming off a bye week after getting absolutely waxed by the Patriots on the road. Now, will it be Cooper or Dak getting the start? No one knows. The Cowboys have been tight-lipped about it, but the Lions are not a real match for the Pokes, and I think this will be the need to bounce back win from that loss in Philly. The pick here is Dallas. Next on the docket, we have the 3-2-1 Colts taking on the 3-2 Titans. Game being played at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. The Titans are three-point favorites. Last week, the Colts defeated the Jaguars 34-27 while the Titans were on their bye. Holy point production, Batman. The Colts have an offense. Uh, they were outgunning the Jags with a dramatic late touchdown to former Bearcat Alec Pierce. 
to steal the win. Now they head down south to face another divisional foe that narrowly beat them three weeks ago. The Titans, while no means juggernaut, are tough to face at home. I really don't trust the Colts as far as I can throw them, and I don't think they can keep up the consistent play. The pick here is Tennessee. Next on the docket, we have the 3-3 three three Packers taking on the 2-4 and four Commanders, game being played at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland, 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Packers are 5.5-point favorites. Last week, the Packers lost to the Jets 27-10, while the Commanders lost to the Bears 12-7. I'm not sure who's the bigger sad sack here. To be perfectly honest, the Packers got humiliated on the frozen tundra by the Jets. The Jets for crying out loud. While the Commanders slept walked through a snoozer in Chicago but managed to get the win. Now the questions surrounding the Packers are getting more and more and more numerous on both sides of the ball. And there aren't any real answers. That said, the Packers are still the better team, and the Commanders, further weakened by the loss of Carson Wentz, are in no shape to give them a real fight. The pick here is Green Bay. Next on the docket, we have the five and one Jag. Uh, beg pardon, five and one Giants. I almost said Jaguars. The Jaguars aren't five and one. They're two and four. They host a game at TIA Bank Field in Jacksonville, 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Jaguars are three-point favorites. Last week, the Giants defeated the Ravens 24-20, while the Jags lost to the Colts 31-27. I beg your pardon, 34-27. Not 31-27, 34-27. I'll get this right sooner or later, folks. I think it's time. It is time to finally give the G-Men their proper dap. They are the real surprise of this season. You keep waiting for them to make their usual mistakes and fall on their face, but they don't, and they pull out wins that usually in years past that they never would have been able to. Now, I'm no Danny Dimes fan by any stretch of the imagination, but his steady managerial-like play has won, well, it hasn't won games. It certainly hasn't lost them. It's kept them in most of them. Now, they travel to Duval County to face a crumbling Jags team that keep finding ways to lose winnable games. And the Giants, they're looking like a, a, a mirror image of how the Giants used to be last year and the year before. If the G-Men keep bringing up wins like they've been doing lately, Brian DeBall is going to be Coach of the Year. Book it. This will be... Uh, try that again. Cut that out. <laughs> I think that the good times continue for the G-Men, to be perfectly honest. And I'm really puzzled to why they're even underdogs on the road. I think they'll pull out an easy win. The pick here is the New York Giants. Next on the docket, we have the 3-3 three three Buccaneers taking on the 1-5 Panthers at Bank of, American Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. 1 p.m. kickoff on Fox. The Bucs are 10.5-point favorites. Last week, the Buccaneers lost to the Steelers 20-18, while the Panthers lost to the Rams 24-10. The Bucks dropped what was a winnable game, period. They should have won that game. And I'm kind of annoyed that they played the way they did. Then they go back, back to Carolina, they go to Carolina to face a sad sack Panthers team whose infighting is torpedoing any chance they have at winning games. The Bucks are not the scary team that they were two years ago, or even at this time last year. That said, they are much better than the Panthers and should win easy here. The pick here is Tampa Bay. And that's the Hoodwood Lock of the Week. We'll take a time out at this point, come back with the rest of the early games, all the late games, as well as the Sunday and Monday night games. Sports from the Hoodwood comes back at you after this.
You are tuned in to Sports from the Hood Wood, the internet's foremost location for opinion, analysis, and insight on the world of sports. Here now is the man banned from sports trivia contests in 38 states and four Canadian provinces, and not to mention Guam. Your host, KJ Green. You are back in the Hoodwood. I'm KJ Green, and let's continue on with NFL Week 7 picks. Next on the docket, the 2 and 4 Browns taking on the 3 and 3 Ravens game being played at MT Bank Stadium in Baltimore, 1 p.m. kickoff on CBS. The Ravens are six and a half point favorites. Last week, the Browns lost to the Patriots 38 to 15, while the Ravens lost to the Giants 24 to 20. See? See? I told you. I told you that sooner or later the Browns would realize that they're the Browns and get their backs blown out a few times. Witness the game against New England. They were humiliated by the Pats last week and now face an uneven Ravens team that fell apart late against the Giants in Gotham. I'm smelling a big bounce back from Lamar Jackson. I hope he doesn't make look like the fool. Is that me? Oh, no, that's just a stench of the Browns defense. <laughs> Minus Miles Garrett giving away points and doing it at a disconcerting pace. Pick here is Baltimore. Next on the docket, we have the 4-2 Jets taking on the 2-4 Broncos. The game's being played at Empower Field at Mile High in Denver. 4-5 kickoff on CBS. The Broncos are three-point favorites. Last week, the Jets defeated the Packers 27-10, while the Broncos lost to the Chargers 19-16 in overtime. Who made the schedule for the Jets? They have got to have had to go into a number of tough venues and have emerged more or less every week with hard-earned road wins. After an easier-than-expected win on the frozen tundra, the Jets stay on the road to head to the mountains and face a wildly inconsistent Broncos squad. For the first time in a very long time, I feel confident and comfortable picking the Jets. It's probably going to come back and bite me in the butt. But nevertheless, watch. Russell Wilson will ball out of control and make a fool out of me. The pick here right now is the New York Jets. Next on the docket, we have the 1-3-1 Texans taking on the 1-4 Raiders at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. 4-0-5 kickoff on CBS. The Raiders are seven-point favorites. Last week, both teams were on their respective buys. This is a game that is not as best not viewed by a lot of people. It stinks. It's a poor matchup. Both teams are playing poorly and are not good on either side of the ball. This is a coin flip game. Mm, came up heads, but I'm going to pick Las Vegas because I think the Raiders are good to go at home. The pick is Las Vegas. Next on the docket, we have the 3-3 three three Chargers. Hosting the 3-3 three and three Seahawks. I saved their kiddo. <laughs> the game's being played at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. 425 kickoff on Fox. The Chargers are seven-point favorites. Last week, the Seahawks defeated the Cardinals 19-9, while the Chargers defeated the Broncos 19-16 in overtime. Seahawks won a grimy game against the Cardinals and are heading down the West Coast for a game to face their old divisional rivals in the Chargers. A grimy game by either team will not get the job done. I'm looking for Justin Herbert to continue having an excellent season and a solid passing game that, is displayed, that has, has put out has made his job a lot much easier with the reemergence of Austin Eckler. Though Kenneth Walker may be establishing himself as a decent running option, the loss of Rashad Penny does hurt the Seahawks and Geno Smith. I'm still waiting for him to really have another prove it game 
for me to really count on him to being a excellent quarterback. I just don't think that the offense is enough to suspect uh, to offset a suspect Seahawks defense. The pick here is the Los Angeles Chargers. Next on the docket, we have the four and two Chiefs taking on the three and three Niners. Game being played at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California. Four twenty-five kickoff on Fox. The Chiefs are three-point favorites. Last week, the Chiefs lost to the Bills 24-20, while the Falcons defeated the 49ers 28-14. Now, this is an interesting late-day matchup on tap here. The Chiefs lost a taut duel with the Bills at Arrowhead and had West face the Niners, who took an unexpected pratfall in the ATL from the Falcons. Now, the Niners' defense will present an excellent challenge to Patrick Mahomes, who is utilizing his receivers much more effectively, as well as getting Travis Kelsey the ball on a much more regular basis. Meanwhile, just when you think you can start to think that Jimmy G is going to be a G, he has one of those games. I can't see the Chiefs dropping back-to-back games. Pick here is Kansas City. The Sunday nighter is the 2-4 and four Steelers taking on the 3-3 three and three Dolphins at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. 8-20 kickoff on NBC. The Dolphins are seven-point favorites. Last week, the Steelers defeated the Buccaneers 20-18, while the Dolphins lost to the Vikings 24-16. Now, when the schedule was drawn up, this looked like an intriguing matchup. Now, it looks like a game that could and should be flexed out. Now, the Steelers won a gritty, grimy game against the Bucks, but still have a lot of questions at the quarterback spot. You don't know if Kenny Pickett's going to return or if Mitch Trubisky's, I mean Trubisky, <laughs> will have the next start. The Dolphins have quarterback issues of their own. Will Tua Tagovailoa be back for the for, in the quarterback spot for the Dolphins, or will Teddy Bridgewater have to start one more game? The defense for the Dolphins does play decent and can play and keep them in games, but their offense plays scattershot at times. I don't trust either quarterback for the Steelers, by the way, but if Tua Tagovailoa starts for the Finns, I think they have a much decent shot, at, a much better shot at winning. The pick here is Miami. Finally, the Monday night game is the 2-4 Bears at the 3-3 three three Patriots. Game being played at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. The game is at 8-15 on ESPN. The Patriots are 7.5-point favorites. Last week, the Bears lost to the Commanders 12-7, while the Patriots defeated the Browns 38-15. How do the Bears keep getting on prime time? Somebody? Anybody? Please, please tell me. After an extended time off, they were the first team to play last week, and they're the last play team to play this week. Go figure. They'll stay on primetime with a date against the improving Pats, who look more like themselves with a blowout of the stumbling, bumbling Browns. Has Bailey Zappy, or is it Zap, or is it Zappy? I can never pronounce that boy's name. Has he shown himself to be the long-term answer for the Pats, as opposed to Mac Jones? Maybe. But the Pats are continuing to gel at the right time, and they should get the win at home. The pick is New England, and there you have it. Last week, it's 9-5 with the lock and upset both correct. Overall, I'm 51-42-1 with both my locks and upsets at 4-2. We will take a final timeout, come back, and head down the stretch with the final word from the wood, preceded by the Hoodwood Hot Five and the Fat Dappin' Head Slap. Words from the Hoodwood heads down the stretch. After this. Is today your last day on Earth because you are being deployed to space tomorrow? Have you just turned 18 and you're ready to get out of your parents' house? Has your granddaughter gotten her boyfriend pregnant? Whatever your reason, 
you need us at gottagetmarriednow.com. We specialize in last-minute weddings. Active duty, military veterans and retired discounts are available. Visit us at gottagetmarriednow.com. for no-nonsense commentary, insight, and opinions on the world of sports. Here now live in living color, black by popular demand, your host, KJ Green. teams that I think are the best in college football. Now, the Hoodwood Hot Five is going to jump around here, there, and everywhere, but it doesn't really matter because it's the five teams I think are the best in college football. Our number five team is Clemson. Now, they got by Florida State barely. I think they got caught looking forward to the game against Syracuse. Now, that game against Orange, 
a battle of two undefeated teams control supremacy of the ACC Atlantic. And that's going to be a battle that I'm going to be looking forward to watching. Number 14 is Michigan. Now, I said in air last week that the game against Penn State was in Happy Valley. No, that game was the big house. And the Wolverines delivered a big house whooping to the Nittany Lions to the tune of 41-17. People thought, and I thought, the Penn State was going to be kingmakers for the national championship playoff who got there and who wouldn't. But they ended up being the Joker and the Fool as they got run roughshod as the Wolverines running game was just too much for the Nittany Lions to stop. Our number three team, wait a minute, where, where'd you come from? Tennessee? Yes. The Vols. 52-49 winners over Alabama in Nyland Stadium. A crazy back-and-forth game. The Vols jumped out big. Tide reeled them in. Vols jumped out again. Tide reeled them in. It was a back-and-forth, almost like a heavyweight battle, a heavyweight fight. Whoever had the last licks was probably going to win. The game has seen everything but an ending. Alabama missing a, a critical field goal that would have given them the late lead. The tie, the tie left too much time on the clock for the Vols. They went down and kicked the game-winning field goal, and they weren't keeping the feet, people off the field at Nyland Stadium. They said it was over 107,000 people at that game, and I think most of them were on the field at the end of that game. It tore down both goalposts. Cost the University of Tennessee $100,000 in fines for not having proper crowd control, but I really don't think that Tennessee's really going to mind writing out that check after beating uh, Alabama for the first time in 15 tries. Our number two team is Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs. 55 nothing winners over Vanderbilt. They will be on a bye next week, so they will not be punished for not playing, which is why the number one team stays the Ohio State Buckeyes. They were on a bye last week, but they have Iowa this week. Now, if they lose to the Hawkeyes in Columbus, they'll be out of the Hillwood Hot Five with the quickness. But I think they should be able to handle their business and then have a, another big game with Penn State on the 29th. That's the Hoodwood Hot Five. What's yours? Now, without much further ado, no, we're not going to the final word just yet. Before that, we have the fat dap and head slap. Now, the fat dap of the week goes to FC Cincinnati. Now, wait a minute. Didn't, you, didn't I give them fat dap last week? Yes, it's my show. Leave me alone. I'll do as I please. FC Cincinnati, the MLS soccer team making its first entrance into the playoff, and they make it an inauspicious one. Is it inauspicious or is it auspicious? I don't know. Either way, they made a splash. Being the New York Red Bulls in Red Bull Arena 2-1 to one in a thrilling match that a lot of FCC fans, including yours truly, was on the edge of their seats for 12 minutes. Of, 12 minutes of stoppage time? Are you kidding me? I'm sitting there like this. I was literally scared that the Red Bulls were going to hit the equalizer and again it was going to end up in overtime or penalty kicks. It just, it was, it was harrowing. But, FCC hung on for the win, and now they will play in the conference semifinals against Philadelphia on Thursday, which will be about the same time that you'll be seeing this video. The head slap of the week go to those very same FC uh, New York Red Bulls. Now, I'm not dogging the team. They played a decent game, but 
How are you going to make the playoffs and not even fill your arena to two-thirds capacity? Only 17,113 showed up on a beautiful Saturday in, in Gotham to watch the Red Bulls lose in a 25,000-seat capacity stadium. Now, I can guarantee you, had that game been at TQL Stadium in Cincinnati for a playoff game, the first ever MLS playoff game in Cincinnati, that place would have been filled to the brim. Head slap to the New York Red Bull fans, such that they are. I know their team has been escorted out of the playoffs, but come on, y'all could have represented a little better than that. And now, without much further ado, let's go to the final word from the wood. like Dusty Baker. I really do. I always have. He's one of the first players of color that you expected to end up being a field manager. He's had the tools to make it big, and by and large, he's won pretty much everywhere he's went. He won 103 games in his first year with the Giants in 1993, won 840 games in 10 years, and an NL pennant with the San Francisco club before moving on to Chicago. He guided the Cubs to their first series win since 1908, And after four years there, he went to Cincinnati and guided them to two divisional titles and three playoff appearances. He did the same in Washington with a pair of divisional titles before retiring. Then he was brought out of retirement to manage in Houston. And he's taken that trouble club to three straight postseason appearances. Now, Baker has over 2,000 managerial wins. He's the 12th manager and the first manager of color to win 2,000 games. He's the first manager in Major League history to lead five different teams to division titles. And he's the ninth manager to win an AL and an NL pennant. There's one thing that is missing from his resume and will make, a, which will make him a surefire Hall of Fame candidate, a World Series title. Now, after the scandal behind the 2017 World Series title by the Astros, there's always been a yeah, but with that club. The firing of A.J. Hinch and the suspensions of players that were connected with him, most notably Alex Cora, and the non-hiring of Carlos Beltran have affected and been a long ripple from that 2017 Astros asterisk of a World Series title. Many people said that that the Astros should have had their title revoked for the sign-stealing scandal. And many people thought that many people said that the title the Astros won was not legitimate. At best, many people said the Astros should have just had an asterisk by their name. While that's not feasible, the title still seems hollow and illegitimate. Now, here's where Baker comes in. He's a baseball lifer. He batted behind and was mentored by the by baseball legend Henry Aaron. He is his business like no nonsense demeanor has always been good with players. And he's always had the respect of these same players through the numerous teams. He has won everywhere, and I mean everywhere. Though, there's been one small problem. His teams have had very poor postseason luck. A number of frightening collapses have dogged Baker all through his career. The 2002 Giants were one out away from clinching the title in Game 6 before falling apart. They blew that game. And of course, in 2003, everybody remembers the Bartman incident. That happened in Game 6. They could have won Game 7, but blew that Game 2. Cincinnati Reds fans long ruled the 2012 team that was up 2-0 on the San Francisco Giants, but lost three straight games at home to fritter away the NLDS. 
And we won't even begin to talk about the collapses in Washington and losing the World Series in Houston. Postseason losses have dogged Dusty Baker long in his career. But there are a bunch of teams that are crumbling in the postseason, and this may be Dusty Baker's last best shot at winning a World Series title. Dusty Baker's 73. You don't even wonder how many more years he has left in that managerial brain of his before he decides to call it quits. I think this is his best shot. And if the Astros win the World Series this time, it'll be very legitimate and very celebrated as Dusty Baker finally catches the elusive ring that has been he's been chasing for so long. And that is the final word from the wood. Coming up in the background, you know that means your time in the Hoodwood is just about done. And I thank you so much for your visit this week. If you want to send me an email, I have a new email address as I detailed earlier. KJ Green at sportsfromthehoodwood.com. Questions, comments, show topic ideas, and yes, criticism. I welcome your emails and your correspondence, and I will try to get back to you in a timely manner. Now, the show can be seen on a number of venues. Video with YouTube and Facebook, as well as the Sports from the Hollywood website, where I have an archive of previous shows. You can also catch the audio version of this podcast on Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iMusic. If you don't have it on your favorite podcast provider, ask for it. We'll try to get to you. It's on a number of great podcast providers. Look for us, we'll be there. Also, I'm on Twitter. KJ Green 20 and KJ Green BB, as well as a, you can send me a tweet and I'll hit you back as quickly as possible. I'm still on Facebook though, Black Band Productions Enterprises, which also has a show archive as well. Special thanks to Rage Pictures for their immense help in making the show even better. And of course, for all the staff here at the uh, Black Band Productions and Enterprises, if I said it correctly, all the staff at Black Band Productions Enterprises who help produce the show as well. For my man Snuffy in the background, I should say the pop Snuffy background. Until next time, fellow sports fans, I'm KJ Green. Dirty. Sports from the Hood is a Black Bandit Productions and Enterprises presentation of a 551 audio and films.